Good afternoon, and thank you for listening to Embracing Life. My name's Michelle, and um, I really appreciate you listening to my podcast. Um, When I was 14 or so, my best friend and I would often have sleepovers. And we had so much fun laughing and watching movies and doing all of those things that a typical 14-year-old girl would do. Um, except there was one thing. We always made sure that together we listened to Dr. Ruth Westheimer on Sunday nights. And whether we were together listening to her or we were sitting on the phone with each other listening at the same time, um, we certainly um, were introduced to her at a young, tender age. And her message to us was invaluable. And I'm sure many of you recall Dr. Ruth Westheimer. She's a German-American woman. She's a sex therapist, talk show host, author, professor. I think she also was a Holocaust survivor. Um, she now is an ambassador Uh, of loneliness. I read that the other day. I think she's in her 90s. So she's had a long-standing career um, discussing relationships, sex, mostly sex, and um, connecting with people. And her radio program was called Sexually Speaking. And it was one of the top-rated radio shows in the 80s. And we didn't miss an episode with our headphones on, (laughs) making sure our parents had no clue as to what we were listening to. We listened for hours and we learned about everything, everything and anything we could possibly wanna learn about sex. And what I really enjoyed about her at that age and now really respect as a woman was her fearless approach to the discussion of sex. Her ability to talk about sex with such great ease humor, confidence, and normalcy. I think at the time she must have been approaching her 60 and she just spoke of it as if it were, she was talking about what she was eating for breakfast. And, and most importantly, she was along the lines of the fact that women and men were supposed to be getting great satisfaction out of their sex lives, both men and women. And what a great message for young girls to learn. What a great message, because it's not a message you're going to learn from your mother, most likely. I certainly didn't uh, get get that message. <laughs> um, not surprisingly, I mean, I think for women growing up in the 50s, the discussion of sex uh, with their children would be seen as pretty taboo. Um, I, I don't know how it was for others, but I'm quite sure that that was the norm. Um, So that being said, having Dr. Ruth as the mentor or person that certainly gave us permission to to explore our sexuality was an incredible person to to be doing this because she was, in fact, older than our mothers, um, bordering on grandmother at the time, I guess. So, you know, I'm not shy, I'm not insecure, and I've never been accused of being quiet or unwilling to offer my opinion. Um, I I don't, you know, I'm not here to speak about sex, and that's not the purpose of my podcast. But 
but there are some topics that I think are valuable to cover. And one of them is, um, you know, why people more, most likely women, I think, um, are very quiet when it comes to that dreaded question of what pleases them, you know, when they're in a new partnership or when they're in a partnership that has been, uh, existing for a while, you know, the question of what are you into? What turns you on in bed is like, I think it sends uh, women into a tailspin of uncertainty and insecurity. And, um, you know, it's, it's a terrifying question because you're not sure how to answer it. Um, on the one hand, you know, you want to be honest and open. And at the same time, you know, you're concerned about what that looks like and how it's interpreted and all those other insecurities that certainly come with a topic. Um, and, you know, in my blog, in my newspaper column, with zero hesitation or flush of embarrassment, I've spoken about, you know, sex in a way, um, parenting style, being a single parent, my relationships, my divorce, depression, um, being BRCA positive, having preventative surgeries, the loss of my parents, the loss of my dog, <laughs> the list goes on. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not com- a complete open book, but I'm certainly not uh, shy about discussing things, particularly if that's what I'm, that's the premise of my podcast is embracing life. So I don't consider any topic taboo, especially sex. Um, but at the same time, it's still very difficult to talk about. And given its exposure in our culture, uh, it's it's far too rare a conversation, I think. And so, you know, why is that? Why is sex such a paralyzingly hard as F conversation to have? Why is it so hard? You know, everybody's having sex around us. It's not a secret. Um, even right now, you know, I'm stalling like a champion, you know, which is act- exactly what I think people do when a partner turns and says, so what are you into? Um, what are your needs? Uh, what turns you on? And, you know, I absolutely love being asked that question because it conveys an understanding of consent and interest and love and kindness and that the person, the partner is actually concerned about my needs, um, which for me is a, is is it has to be that way or it's just not an option. So, um, you know, while it's appealing, there's always, what's the question? How do you answer that? You know, how do you answer that? You know, and I think that's sort of where people get tripped up because in less than five seconds, you're rendered to being tongue tied based on who your partner is or whatever that dynamic is. I think it creates insecurity and, um, just hesitation. And, you know, I've thought about it, like what causes, you know, someone's brain to just like throw its hands up and tap out entirely when a partner wants to have a frank discussion about sex. Um, It's a natural, normal part of a relationship. You know, I, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, is it privacy? Is it prudishness? I don't think so. Um, Is it about being deserving and maybe you feel like you shouldn't be discussing what your needs are? Why is this topic so uniquely challenging? I think Dr. Roof would be very unhappy of a lot of people um, and because they struggle with this topic. And there really aren't any good um, mentors or people on TV or talk show hosts that have a program like she had. I I wish, um, 
you know, I wish she still was in existence. And, and in terms of having a show that was people used to call in and discuss whatever it was, she she had an answer for everything. And it was always done in the most respectful way um, with normalcy and never reaction and um, an insistence that both both partners were satisfied. I mean, we don't live in the 50s, thankfully. The guilt and shame that was built around that culture simply doesn't exist. But in truth, in order to get what you desire, you have to know what you want. And in order to know what you want, you have to use the right words to to express yourself. So I think that's sort of the beginning of it. Um, That's the only thing that comes to my mind is, you know, if you can't articulate what you want and you don't have the words at your disposal... It's ridiculous to expect your partner to read your mind. And, you know, I think I think the really the most important thing is by using your voice. And, you know, even if you have to use your voice around the house when no one's home and you're talking to yourself in the mirror, your cat or whatever, use the words, get used to accustomed to hearing individual words that you wouldn't normally say on a, on a daily basis. You're much less likely to stumble over the words themselves in a situation with pressure in the bedroom or anxiety. That space isn't the first time those words have crossed your lips. They will come with greater ease. And saying the words also force us to get in touch with the reality of how our bodies work on a physiological level wanting things that are actually possible. It's helpful, not just from a practical standpoint, but it also reduces, you know, the shame or whatever it is, residual shaming, self-blame, whatever those leftover um, isms are from our rather closed off American culture. I think in Europe, well, European people that I know are much more open about sex. They discuss it, they want to talk about it, and not in a raunchy or um, degrading way. They, they want to talk about, you know, the satisfaction and the pleasure of it. And it's not a foreign concept. Um, it's celebrated, it's embraced, and nobody flinches. I think our culture in America is very different. We're bombarded by messages of sleazy... <laughs> Whatever, just turn on the radio and you hear hear all sorts of um, innuendo and sexual terms. But at the end of the day, you know, who's having that conversation in the bedroom that's so important to your relationship? I bet half of those rappers aren't. I bet if they had to sit face to face with their partners, they'd be horrified. So why is that? You know, um, and, and that doesn't even matter. But I think the, the point here is the more that we can normalize the language and the way bodies physiologically work, the more, you know, the more satisfaction you'll get and you empower yourself and you normalize the language and you break it into lists. Just break it down into two things. What are the things you find sensual? What are the things you find erotic that you can discuss with your lover, your lovers or whatever, if they're vulnerable to share? Get the words, use the words, ask your partner. Let them say the words without flinching. 
It sounds suspiciously easy, I'm aware, but with practice, practice in the mirror, bring it to the table, and I think you'll get the result you're looking for. And if you don't have the answer right away, there's a canned response, you know, to what do you desire, what do you like, what turns you on? A simple response is, I love this question, but I have the hardest time answering it. There you go, that buys you time. And you can think about your thoughts, get them together, practice in the mirror, practice whatever you want to do, find the confidence to go back to that conversation. It doesn't have to be in the bedroom. It can be when you're having coffee or dinner or whatever. Bring back that conversation and say, you know, you asked me the other day, it was hard for me to answer it on the spot, but now that I'm thinking about it, X, Y, and Z, it's your body, it's your life, it's your relationship. What are you hiding from? You know, you're not going to get satisfaction. You're not going to have a mutually satisfying sexual experience if you can't express yourself. And if you can't have that, then you shouldn't be sleeping with somebody. You should not have them in your bed, in your bedroom, or touching your body. If you cannot express yourself and tell them what is appealing to you and what isn't, then then that person should not be, you should not give them the honor of touching your body or being even close to, to, to you. Um... So I think, you know, the willingness to be vulnerable and creating a safe space for further communication is essential. It's the silence that's, that's, it's the silence that's a killer. It really is. I mean, fine, you won't rock the boat, but I guarantee you're not going to be satisfied. So make a list. Again, make a list of what your body likes, how it wants to be touched, anything you can think of. That, that brings you satisfaction. And then the second list, let it be things that turn your brain on. You know, is there music, candles, oils, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. Just bring that up. And the things that turn your brain on are, are the second piece of it. And then share that list with your partner. It's not a big deal. Don't make it a big deal. It's something that's beautiful, natural, normal. That's what it should be. And if it's not then you really need to explore what your hangups are. And if you have hangups, which many people do, you know, who knows how, the, how you're brought up, your background, your religion, your parents, your grandparents, your siblings, your animals, whatever it is. If you have issues regarding your sexual health and your ability to be satisfied in the bedroom, seek professional counseling. I mean, there's sex therapists on every corner for a reason, so use them, go to them, invest in that conversation, go 10 times, bring your partner. But to ignore it is just going to equal a real dissatisfaction. And in truth for women, not having a a healthy sex life will absolutely lead to loneliness, emotional disconnect, and lack of intimacy, feelings of neglect. Don't be surprised if your partner ends up in the arms of somebody else if you're not providing those things. It's natural, it's normal, and it's it's part of connecting with a partner. So it's really, really important. Have those tools on hand, and if you don't have them, there's help everywhere, you know? Um... I don't know. I think it's really important to just normalize the words, turn up the volume, stop thinking of sex in a negative way, if that's what you have, or hidden cultures, hidden shame traps and all that, or you're a narcissist because you're seeking pleasure. No, you're not. Having a sexy, a sexy, a happy, <laughs> healthy, sexy sexual appetite in life is normal for men and for women. 
and everybody deserves to have that. And if you don't have it, then figure out why and, and take the steps um, that you need to take to, to improve your life. I mean, you only live once. So, I mean, don't ignore this. It's such a, it could be such a, a happy and interesting and satisfying part of your life. So, um, that's where I am on that subject. So, um, I think maybe you have homework to do. So hopefully, hopefully my words have helped you. Um, if not with yourself, maybe initiate a conversation with your partner or something. And if not, you can just, I don't know. It's fine. That's fine too. But hopefully there's somebody out there that could use a little push in this direction and, um, good luck and just go for it. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Embracing Life.